those who are joining us online. We are still in the book of Romans. However, we're going to finish today. Okay? And uh, what we're going to do, we're going to look at the last couple verses of chapter 15. And then go through verse or chapter 16. But rather than go through verse by verse, which we normally have been doing, we're just going to select a few verses, a few phases, or closing remarks that I think the Lord would have us to focus on. I think I said this last week, but chapter 15 and 16, at least the last half of 15 and 16, are just last minute reminders, greetings to people. Paul talks about some of his plans for the future. And he actually goes in quite a bit of detail, kind of greeting people. So uh, now just because we won't read every verse doesn't mean that it's not important. And I encourage you to do so. Okay, so let's look at verse 32 of chapter 15. It says, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and Find refreshing rest in your company. And I want us to just kind of focus a few minutes on this refreshing rest in your company. This is speaking of the koinonia, the fellowship of the believers, of the saints. When God brings together those who've been truly regenerated, born again, and they desire to follow him with all their lives... There is something supernatural that happens between them. The Greek word is koinonia. They love. They prefer one another. There's a connecting of spirits. And the fruit's amazing. In fact, it's the type of fruit that cannot be counterfeited. The fruit of true koinonia is refreshing rest. Our spirits are refreshed. And what does that mean? It means that God's spirit is surrounding us. There's an absence of anxiety and worry and fear. There's an indescribable joy and peace and rest that takes place. Philemon, verse 7. Philemon, of course, is right before the book of Hebrews, in case you're wondering. And uh, in verse 7, it says, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. He's speaking to um, Philemon. And he says, you know, uh, you know, the word hearts there is actually it means kind of the inner man. And he's, say, he's talking about the much joy and lots of comfort in your love. And when we're truly, truly walking in Christ, when we're abiding in him, it says it is. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Great. Okay. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11. It says the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Proverbs 11, verse 30 says the, um, Verse 30, it says, uh, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. 
Proverbs 15, verse 4. It says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 25, verse 13 says, like the cold of snow, we know about that, in the, in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. For he refreshes the soul of his masters. All these are pictures of what we should be. We should be a fountain of life. We should be a tree of life. We should be someone who refreshes the soul of others. John 7. We, most of us know this passage. Verse 37. It talks about um, how we... Well, let me just get to it here real quick. John 7. 37, 38, the end of 37, it says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So what, what do all these things have in common? It's what God desires, what he wants our lives to be. He wants us to be a fountain of life. A tree of life, refreshing to people's souls, living waters, rivers of living waters. And just think about if all of us were like that, this world would be a different place, wouldn't it? Because people would want to know about Jesus. And this is true for individuals like Philemon, but it's also true for churches. We should ask God to make us refreshing to the souls of others. To make us a church that brings refreshment to anyone we come, come in contact with. How does this happen? Well, we've got to keep a rela- right relationship with God and one another. We can't allow anything to get in the way of our relationships. Because the stuff that gets between us, that's what kills koinonia. That kills spiritual refreshment. I think it means we've got to focus on Jesus. Because he's got to be the center of our lives. And if he's the center of our lives and the center of our relationships, this dynamic of refreshing one another can happen. And then in Romans, um, there in chapter 15, in verse 32, I like that phrase where it says, and I come in joy. You know, and uh, when we, you know, joy is really a decision a lot of times. It's got to come from the Lord. But as we cultivate joy in our life, as we focus on him, as we make sure that we get our relationships right, a spiritual koinonia takes place. And we can be refreshment to others. We can bring life. We can bring rest to others. And, uh, and I, I, I like the way that Paul kind of ends this by talking about He wants us to be a refreshment to one another. Okay, let's go to chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is in Centuria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. 
You know, it's, uh, if we had time, I'd like for us to go through almost every one of these greetings. You know, for example, in verse 3 and 4, it's talking about Prisca and Akela, a couple. He says, they're my fellow workers in Christ who for my life, they risk their own necks to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. And then it talks about the church that meets in their house. Then it talks about in verse seven, Anthronicus and Hunius, how they are outstanding among the apostles. Verse 13, it talks about greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord. Also his mother and mine. By the way, do you know much about Rufus? Like who is his father? His father was the one that the Romans, when Jesus is being crucified and going to the uh, Golgotha, the place where he was going to be crucified. Remember that they, he was faltering and they just kind of yanked someone out from the uh, people watching and said, you carry his cross. That was Rufus's father. I mean, just kind of an interesting thing. You know, obviously, he was impacted. He told his son about him. And now years later, decades later, Rufus, he's described as a choice man in the Lord. But in verse 1 and 2, Phoebe, she is a servant of the church. Literally, it means a deaconess, you know. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting. Out of the people he mentions that are choice in the Lord, people who are apostles, people who have churches meeting in their house, the very first person he mentions is Phoebe. And what is she? She's a servant. And to me, that kind of shows how God values those people who just serve. And in this case, you know, it says she's a servant and she's the helper of many. And what does he say? He says, I commend you to commend to you, our sister. And receive her in the Lord. And be a helper of her as she is to others. And uh, so I think these are just things that I, I like. And, uh, and I think one of our prayers should be, may God make us all like Phoebe's. You know? And it's not just women. You know, it's men too that are servants, you know, of the church. Let's go to verse 17 and 18. Now, I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smoothing and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Now, there's going to be people who slip into the fellowship of believers and they're not there for the right reasons. Acts 20, verse 29, when Paul is talking, giving a farewell address to uh, the leaders at Ephesus. In verse 29, he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. 
savage wolves who are on the inside of the flock are actually more dangerous than those on the outside. In fact, have you, have you noticed that the New Testament never warns about those who are outside the church? It never says, oh, you know, be careful about these Roman emperors. They're doing this and they're doing that. No. Whenever he gives warnings about dangerous people, it's people who've kind of slipped in. And these are people who can look good on the outside. But what does he say? There's a list of things he says. They're slaves of their own appetites. That means they're self-serving. Their worldview is all about themselves. They don't have any interest of serving others unless it brings recognition to them. They have smooth, flattering speech. They cause dissensions. They'll stumble people. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. That's why he says we've got to be careful. And they undermine good biblical teaching, often in subtle ways. And what does it say our response should be? Keep an eye out for them. Watch them carefully. And then it says in verse 17, and even turn away from them. Now, people like this, and by the way, I don't have any indication there's anyone like that here today. But there will be sometime. And usually most people can tell when you talk to them. Wait a minute. Something's not right about them. They're always talking about themselves. They're self-serving. All these things. But they do appeal to our flesh. Because they have smooth and flattering speech. Oh, you're so wonderful. And you know what? That can be kind of, you know, nice to hear. And so we can get emotionally attached to them. So here, what Paul is saying at the end of Romans, he says, and by the way, just remember, there's going to be people who try to slip into your fellowship. Watch out for them. Don't let them be apart. Okay? Let's look at verse 20. I like this verse a lot. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Though Satan was defeated at the cross... He still has been allowed to roam. And he can attack Christians. But he only, he can't really hurt us except for what he says to us. And so, some of the things we know from the scriptures, and we won't go into all the verses, Satan will lie to us. Actually, he's kind of called in one place the father of lies. You know, he'll lie to us about one another. Oh, that brother's looking down on you. Or that brother's, that sister's jealous of you. Or this or that. Satan will try to deceive us. He'll try to discourage us. He works to divide us. Because he knows if he can divide us, he's scoring a victory. He tries to steal our joy. He wants to rob us of peace. Basically, he desires to destroy us and remove us from God's purposes. But the peace of God will crush him. I mean, there's other things too. Praise and joy. Um, 
you know, faith. But especially here it says, the peace of God will crush Satan. See, the enemy often uses worry and fear, anxiety, you know, to get us off our rhythm, to get us off from, uh, you know, following the straight way. But the peace of God drives all that out. It drives the fear and the anxiety out. And that's one reason we need to be so, it's so important that we're established in who we are in Christ. Because when we're in Christ, there is peace. Remember back in Romans 5, it says, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we have, when we're, when we're anchored in his gift of justification, his gift of righteousness, we have the peace of God. And that guards us against Satan's schemes and his attacks. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. So here it, see, it implies that we have a choice in whether or not we let God's peace, the peace of Christ, come into our hearts and, and be there. And we need to always be receiving his peace and working to be living there. Because when the peace of God leaves us or starts to drift away from us, that's when we get yanked around and that's where that's when the enemy can you know uh, do what he wants to do to us okay let's look at verses 25 and 26 maybe verses 25 to 27 it says now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past and now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. That's actually just one sentence, you know. <laughs> but he says, may God establish you. And, and there's other places that talk about us being established. First Peter 5, 10. Let me just go read it real quick. It says, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you into his e eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you. Colossians 2, verse 7. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. You know, rooted, firmly planted, anchored in our faith, anchored in his grace, anchored in his love, anchored in his life. 
This is God's desire for all of us. But according to this verse, it says he's able to do it. He's able to establish us. You know, it's not just a dream. He can and we, he will establish us if we let him. How? According to the gospel. That's how it happens that we're established. And isn't that really what the book of Romans is all about? We, like the world, were stuck in a pit of sin. Enslaved to unrighteousness. But Jesus Christ, at the cross, paid the price of our salvation for our justification. Declaring us righteous. It's a gift. It's the greatest gift of all time. Purchased by his blood. And we receive it by faith. And upon doing so, the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of us. Transforming us. Setting us free from sin. And we begin to be established in his grace. In his life. In his word. In the freeing power of the gospel. This is the mystery which has been kept secret for ages, it says. But now it's been revealed. This is what the book of Romans is about. The book of Romans explains and reveals this mystery. And this is the message that we are to proclaim among all the nations. And everyone in this county. Because every person from all cultures, all backgrounds, all generations are in desperate need of the gospel. We were talking a few minutes ago about the peace of God that crushes Satan. The peace of God is only found in the righteousness that's found in Christ. No other way. One more verse. Philippians 3. Verse 9, it says, um, in Ephesians, Philippians 3, verse 9, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own derived from the Lord, from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness of which comes from God on the basis of faith. In other words, the only way we can get this righteousness, we can't get it through the law, we can't do it through good works, it's only by faith, isn't it? And it's the righteousness that the Old Testament talked about. Just in the book of Isaiah, you know how many times it talks about righteousness that's going to be coming? 49 times. Just in, the book of, just in the book of Isaiah. It was something that was going to be coming. But now in Jesus, it has been revealed to us. It's been manifested to us. Romans, it's a great book. Actually, I'm kind of sad to leave it. But I do have some, some things that I want to be talking about in the months ahead. But I think Romans is a book that we need to read and study often through our life because it's filled with truth. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you 
for making the gospel clear to us, for revealing it to us. Lord, it's been a mystery. And Lord, the mystery is you have given us the gift of righteousness. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, may we embrace it. May we determine to let the gospel and your gift of righteousness transform us. May we receive it by faith. Thank you, Lord. Amen.